Hi, this is John Nelson. This is Jimmy Maurer. Hi, I'm Andre Zanoda, and you're listening to the Dallas Soccer Show. Welcome to the Dallas Soccer Show presented by the Striker Texas. In this episode, we've got a special guest to help us with a more detailed preview of what we'll see this year from Luchin Gonzalez and FC Dallas. I'm Dustin Nation, and we've got a full bench tonight. Returning home from the uh, to the podcast after a one-week loan spell is Tristan Vick. And taking a break from hanging out at the dog park slash tap room is Jonathan Rosemarty Nightchuck. Hi, Hey, hey, Dustin. Uh, still, still got that wrong, but uh, appreciate you you trying. Um, but I also I do appreciate the intro to the dog park because uh, since since you showed me that place, I've now been there like uh, five times in about a month. So that's pretty it's pretty nice. You might have a problem. I, I may have a problem. Yes, <laughs> dog dogs hanging out, running around, and drinking a beer. It's not it's not a bad thing on a Saturday afternoon. This is true. And also with us today is our doctor in waiting, Nico Mendez. Hi, Nico. Hey, guys. Doing pretty well. Pretty excited about the Mew on news, but I know that's not what we're talking about today. I, I have no idea what you're talking about, uh, but we'll we'll catch up after. <laughs> and joining us this week is a special guest panelist. You know him as one half of the best broadcast team in Frisco and arguably all of MLS. He's Steve Davis. Thanks for joining us, Steve. Two thumbs up, guys. If you could see me, there you go. <laughs> I, I saw both thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll start things off with some news. Uh, since we've last chatted, the La Copita Cup has been awarded to FC Dallas with their 3-0 win over Houston with goals from Ryan Hollingshead, Frank O'Hara, and Jesus Ferreira. Uh, Jonathan, what what do you uh, what did you make of that match? I think you just uh, told us everything that there is you need to know. I mean, really, it was it was a preseason match. Uh, we did see Hara got on the scoreboard a second time, and actually the the goal um, was was actually a pretty nice one. So the it it, it was kind of nice to see uh, him continue to do a little bit well in the in the preseason. I think we all hope that that will continue into the regular season. Um, we also saw some, some, some good play from Ricarte in this match, uh, including another kind of beautiful through ball from him that set up a Hollings head on that second goal. Uh, but overall it's, uh, we, we've talked about this in, in, uh, the last pod it's, it's preseason. Um, it, we go, we, we know that the, that Lucci's trying to tinker with a few things, trying to test different formations out, see, uh, you know, different personnel packages. Uh, I think outside of now seeing some consistencies around lineups, which I know we'll get into later. Um, I, I, I try not to take too much away from preseason. Fair enough. I think, I think the, uh, one of the interesting things was we did see the three at the back again. Um, uh, no, no number six, no problem. So, uh, We'll see, we'll see how that, that shakes out this year. The other bit of news, uh, one of the other bits of news that that has uh, come up since our last recording, the TV um, affiliations have been announced, and there's a bit of Spanish coverage in that. Nico, are you excited to see some Spanish coverage? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, what listening and watching uh, soccer games in Spanish is a completely different environment. Um, I mean... 
we have our own uh, Spanish-based supporters group, El Matador. So um, it's great to just kind of see uh, kind of an expansion of coverage within the DFW area, uh, taking advantage of another uh, growing language base, not only just here in DFW in Texas, but also uh, within the United States and in the country as well. So pretty excited about that. Um, it looks like they have a really uh, exciting um, TV TV. Uh, cast uh, going to commentate on those games so it's great i'm looking forward to it i mean they won't have steve davis but uh the, the english language broadcast will steve what um what is the scoop on all of the 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 english language broadcast or is it going to be um channel 21 again Yep, that's correct. Channel 21. And but before, actually, I said something about uh, the English language broadcast. Can I just say that that's a big deal, that Spanish language mm-hmm. thing, because uh, I don't know. I don't want to speak out of turn here. If there are other clubs in Major League Soccer that have two broadcasts, two local broadcast packages, there can't be many. Uh, I, I want to say maybe LAFC, one of the L.A. teams does. Uh, you know, a lot of teams have a Spanish language radio broadcast, but how many of them have two broadcasts, two dedicated broadcasts? And, you know, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn here, but I believe, you know, there was a rights fee paid to FC Dallas for that. And as as teams, as, as clubs grow in Major League Soccer, you know, monetizing local broadcast rights deals is a big, big deal. And for FC Dallas to do this, you know, I know through the years, sometimes, you know, there have been some stumbles, you know, going back to, of course, Southlake and some different things. Um, I, by the way, I think there was a long time ago there initially there might have been a small Spanish language broadcast deal. So it's not actually the, the very first time. But this one, having monetized it, I mean, this is a huge, huge deal for the club. It's very cool. By the way, and also the other thing that they've, they've done, and speaking of language, English language broadcasts, uh, you know, they've also gone out and they, they've got this on. Uh, I, I don't know exactly where the affiliate stations are going to land this year. Uh, I think we're, we're on in Lubbock, I think, in I don't want to say the cities. I know three or four different cities and they're going to add another one. And they're, they're still fighting, you know, Houston and all, literally fighting for the rights. Uh, like Brian, yeah, they want to give MLS wants to give the rights to Houston, uh, the little, you know, the, the affiliate rights and SC Dallas like, yeah, well, they're not trying to do it. We are, you know, and so they're trying to really be Texas team. And I don't, I don't think anybody else in major league soccer has gone out and shopped those affiliate rights to different places like FC Dallas has. So that's a big deal too, I think. Yeah. It's good to see them expanding that, uh, FCD TV network for sure. sure. Yeah. And what's one exciting thing too, is it's not just the, just the broadcast they're doing pregame post game, halftime, everything. Right. So, um, so they're going all in. So I think we all hope that it's successful. The, the Spanish coverage from the club had been limited over, over the last few years or for, for, well, since they've been FC Dallas for the most part. Uh, so it's, it is, it's, it's great. So hopefully it's a, a big step forward in how they're going to uh, maybe embrace a bit more of the Spanish speaking fan base in, in DFW. And of course, we were all excited. Uh, I actually brought up on the pod last week. I think it was last week that the local TV rights hadn't been uh, announced. It was just strangely missing. When you would look at the at the schedule, it would just say, you know, FC Dallas stream. So we knew we knew it was coming, um, but I think we were all excited to see uh, back on twenty one. Absolutely. Um, the the other bit of news before we get into our FC Dallas preview was that there was another homegrown signing. Um, I think the number 31, is that right? Yeah. Um, 
Benny uh, Redzik was was signed. So uh, Nico, you've watched a lot of him with North Texas. Um, what do you make of Benny? I think that Benny is an extremely exciting player to watch. Um, uh, one thing, just even in his very first game, he has a lot of confidence on the ball and is willing to take on players, not just on these one v one situations, but he's got one or two. He's already thinking of okay, this is the route that I'm going to take to bypass these uh, defenders in front of me. And while doing so is already looking for the next player within the box. At least that's how <clears throat> the idea that Eric Quill had for North Texas. So, uh, definitely a lot of potential, um, uh, raw abilities. There's some, you know, with all these young players, there's definitely areas of improvement. Um, I feel like he's definitely one that you can see a lot of improvement on, but, uh, a really exciting player. And I think it's kind of good that FC Dallas did, uh, shore him up pretty quickly, especially with him, having a, or at least uh, being a dual national to Bosnia and Herzegovina as well. So that's a huge plus right there. Um, but really exciting player. I think that um, fans are really going to enjoy watching him in the time that he does get play time on the field. Uh, may show a little bit nervous just because it's MLS at this point and going against these grown men, which is something that all the North Texas guys have talked about. It's just going from that level up. It's a, it's a whole new physical game, but um, I think he's someone that a lot of players or a lot of people are definitely going to be excited to watch. Yeah, Tristan, he, uh, I think he played with FC Dallas since he was six years old, six years old. Is this the, the, the pipeline from, from the youth to the first team that everybody's been touting? I mean, it's just another example of it. I wouldn't say it's the pipeline because uh, there's probably going to be a stop with the North Texas SC um, first team before he's really featuring on the 18 man squad for um, FC Dallas. But uh, he is a player that's been tracked and kind of known to be somebody who was uh, definitely promising. I think he's interesting in terms of he's got the dual national citizenship. So um, ultimately, it's up to FC Dallas how they utilize him and what they're looking to to get out of the signing. But it definitely keeps um, that in the back of the mind of other players who are that age that are debating either coming over to FC Dallas Academy or leaving for potentially first team opportunities. That hey, we're still signing homegrowns, so. It's a it's a win win for the club for sure. Still in the business to sign in homegrowns. Yeah, you you do have to wonder though if that that dual citizenship and and having a European passport would be was part of the reason why he got signed so early because um, I think Nico kind of referenced it a little bit. He, he's still a raw player, um, and he has I mean he's played with the first team uh, during during the preseason. Has looked pretty well, right? But it's it's been preseason matches. Um, just want. One, one funny thing uh, that just thought I would share with the, the listeners was uh, on uh, last week during uh, one of, the, one of the, the media conference calls, Lucci accidentally uh, told the media who was there about the signing before it was officially announced. Um, so a, a few of us already knew. And then, you know, somebody uh, uh, from from the FC Dallas media department jumped in and was like, oh, that's a secret. That's not released yet. So uh, don't tell anyone. So, uh, <laughs> well, you did a good job of keeping the secret, Jonathan. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. It was it was tough. <laughs> all right, now uh, let's go ahead and transition into this. The um, the reason why we're all here with Steve, uh, that would be our FC Dallas preview. Uh, Steve, this is 
this is Lucci's third season with the club. Um, last season, kind of uh, a bit of an oddball season, I would say. Maybe it doesn't count. I don't know. Um, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts on on what you think the expectation should be of Lucci here in this third season. It's interesting, isn't it? Uh, that last year, I know they had a lot to deal with and I know every team had a lot to deal with. I think Dallas maybe a little bit more than others, uh, all kinds of, uh, you know, oddball circumstances, some of them COVID related, some of them not. Um, and you sort of think, well, you know, they they seem to manage that pretty well at different times. Then they go win a big game on the road in the playoffs. And so it does sort of set up Lucci, doesn't it, to, uh, uh, okay, that's great. Now you've won a game in the playoffs. Now what are you going to do now? And uh, I, I, I would look back and say last year was a pretty good year for Lucci because, uh, again, I, I think any manager – would have had a lot to deal with he, him being a young manager, only in second professional year. I think they wrote it out pretty well, uh, all things considered. Now, again, now here's your third year. This is kind of a telling year for a lot of managers. And uh, I guess the pressure is on a little bit to deliver something above and beyond that. Last year, they wanted a home playoff game. Uh, this year, you know, I, I, you got to say, well, you can't just want the same thing. You got to want, you got to want a home playoff game and you have to win a home playoff game. And that's, it's, it's going to be uh it's going to be a tall order for a team that I think still, I still don't know where a lot of the goals are coming from. Uh, I know, I know we'll get into that a little bit, but, uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be an interesting year. And I think Lucci has set himself up uh, with some pressure, honestly. Yeah, the the front office or I guess the the technical technical staff kind of really um, they kind of backed Lucci and they they went out and got a whole bunch of other players which we'll talk about here in a little bit. But I think does that does that show to you that they are like buying into what he's bringing into the table? Yeah, well, look, I mean, that's the technical director's job. That's the technical staff's job to go get the kind of players. What it shows me is that they're trying to get players at Lucci that that fits Lucci's system a little bit better. Um, I think if you look at a guy, a really good example is uh, Santiago Mascara. Uh, He was a terrible fit for Lucci's system. And to Lucci's credit, look, he he did everything he could to try to make Santiago Mascara work. Um, I I think even Frank O'Hara, I don't, I don't think he's a great fit, but he's a player that uh, the the club's ownership and the, the technical staff had its eye on for a long time. They got him at a good price. And so I, I, I don't think he's a real pressing striker, but you know, they they're trying to make him, they're trying to make him work. So I think what it shows is that the technical staff is now actively going out, working with Lucci and tr- and trying to find a player that fits best in his system. I think Steve brought up uh, some really good points um, <clears throat> with it being the third year. That's um, kind of where you really start to figure out, okay, this is what, what, what do we have with our head coach here? Um, but as Steve mentioned is one of the kind of the, I guess, uh, things is there's just such that high turnover or uncertainty in our attack, right? Uh, bringing in four wingers, if I remember correctly at this point, um, I guess Benny makes it five. Uh, and then with, um, Jesus also kind of impressing, uh, in these previous press conferences saying that, Hey, I really want to be kind of that forward striker. Um, and then kind of just trying to figure out what where Franco fits in the system, right? 
I think that's where the big, a lot of the question marks are. And um, as Steve mentioned, it, it's Lucci's trying to finally get his system in. Um, and I don't know if we're going to get to this later, but one thing that's really kind of stood out to me this preseason watching these games is kind of how the attack plays into the rest of the system. Uh, everyone's really familiar with uh, Lucci wanting to play the ball out through the back having his midfielders support and rotate as needed. Um, and something that we kind of saw with Mikey and whatever, whoever our left winger was, is making those one-two combinations with the interior players and also with the fullbacks. Um, Mikey, you started to see a little bit, but probably not to the extent that Lucci would have liked. And then it was always hard because we there wasn't necessarily a consistent left, uh, left winger. Though, what you see with um, Freddy Vargas and Javier Obrian is those guys are trying to come inward, uh, make combinations inward. They're trying to draw the ball back inward. And what I, I kind of like and uh, is seeing a little bit more of the ball being played right there on top of the box. Um, something that I kind of talked about a lot last season was there's this hole. Uh, when you look at the passing chart, in comparison to everything else, there is this hole right up there in the top of the box, and it became a little bit uh, predictable for the FC the, Dallas attack. The infamous zone 14? Zone 14. The, <laughs> it became a little bit predictable for teams to defend FC Dallas. It was just kind of wedge them out to the byline and then just kind of hold them there or against the flank. Um, so if these wingers and these new additions can really uh, quickly kind of go into Lucci's system, which we've seen with... Uh, Freddie and Obreyan that they can do, um, I think that the attack will kind of really start to unlock. Uh, we'll kind of start to see the genius of, or the idea that Lucci wants to really implement on this team. Um, but it's it's also not like where with uh, Oscar that he, over the years, you kind of saw that progression. You knew what to expect come 2016, that there, you was like, okay, you feel like this is going to happen. Um, and ideally, as a fan, you would want that same idea or that clear vision which you want with, uh, with Lucci, but you're not necessarily getting that. So I feel like that's kind of the biggest question uh, in terms of year three for Lucci is now that we got these influx of players, can, is there the possibility to quickly put it together to be able to be a serious contending uh, playoff team to get that home game and win it, as uh, Steve mentioned? Yeah, but hey, Nico, you got to remember, man, a lot of that's going to come at the expense potentially of that interplay. If, if the front line can't have a good connecting striker, somebody in that middle, you might have a lot of looking like, hey, we brought in these two new guys and they're doing their own thing and nobody else is on the same page. And so um, that means Franco Hart really needs to work on being a connector versus just kind of being an out and out number nine. Um, otherwise, yeah, he's going to kind of just kind of be a piece of furniture for lack of a better word, uh, in the way that they want to play. Cause, um, they got at it fast and they're cutting in on their inside foot. They're bringing the ball in from the outside. And that's something that, um, Mikey didn't necessarily do as much. And definitely, um, back in the Fabian Castillo days, wasn't happening too much, uh, until towards the end of his time here. But I think that, the, the Steve put his hand right where it needs to go in terms of what's going to be the, the key is where the goals come from. Because we look at our defense, it's improved since Lucy, Lucy's taken over, but the goals are just not there in terms of being, you look at the other teams that have done well in the playoffs, 
they generate goal scoring chances left and right and and can really put the other team on the back foot because even having a home game doesn't matter if you're going to eke out a one nil it's about saying i got to count for this player this player and this player and that makes the opponent force kind of have to adapt to you versus the other way around we always play kind of on the back foot um so jesus will be big and i think that pepe needs to sometimes slip in and make sure that he's not always put out on the outside and kind of get in the inside and show what he can do in finishing. So it'll be big, but yeah, it's definitely a tactical shift. Yeah. I think for me, when I'm looking at the, the roster depth, there's, there's, you know, there's not any quote unquote big superstars, right. But there are a lot of, there's a lot of depth of folks that could start that are behind folks that are starting. Um, and what I think that that lends itself well to is, well, a, you know, a longer, uh, you know, more, more fresh legs down the stretch, but also, um, there's the Lucci's been preaching for three years now about versatility and tactics and being able to change the way that they approach a match based upon the opponent. And, you know, I think, up until this season, maybe the the pieces that he needed to be able to actually make the changes he needed for each opponent weren't all there. But if you look at at that roster depth now, if he doesn't have it, uh, then, then there's there's some bigger problems going on. It's an interesting point you bring up about the Lucci saying he likes versatility in his tactics. I mean, that's true. You know that he likes to have different systems, but also have his players have uh, different abilities. And I think another thing that um, possibly might help FC Dallas kind of get towards that uh, home game playoff and winning it is having some sort of uh, consistency in their swing of uh, playing ability, uh, if that made any sense. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is that there's times where FC Dallas is like, they're really up here, but then sometimes it can quickly fall down really quick. Um, and the other thing is not necessarily playing to the skill of your opponent. I think that was something that, uh, kind of irked a couple of fans is that some, if we're playing LAFC, we can go toe to toe with them. But then next, next time we play some team that's really struggling and we manage to lose against them. And it's like, how did that happen? Um, if, if we can get some sort of, uh, consistency and just say, Hey, this is our game plan. And we're going to go out and try to dominate the entire game and not really respond to your to your opponent. I felt like that there was times where there was a lot of response instead of just going out and kind of doing whatever they uh, desired straight from the go. Steve, I got a question for you. Um, how do you think that the loss of Tiago Santos affects the way Lucci uh, approaches matches? Well, that's a, that's a really interesting one. Uh, Tiago Santos, I think, his departure caught us all by surprise. Um, I can tell you that I had a conversation with Lucci a while back. It was kind of an odd conversation to have, or maybe the timing was odd. It was about Edwin Surreal. And, you know, last year, Edwin, when he got into games, he didn't look confident. Uh, uh, we all know that progress isn't always linear. Lucci's talked about it. Other coaches have talked about it. He clearly went up his first year, took a step down, and everybody hopes he takes a step back up this year. But anyway, the conversation was that, He's, Lucci's told me that Surreal really fits the profile of what he wants in a six 
more than Tiago Santos did. Tiago Santos is, is, is a bulldog. We know that. He can win a tackle. Um, he, can, he can make somebody hurt. He can leave a bruise, and that's fine. What Lucci really wants is somebody more in the Sergio Busquets mold who can do that, but really is more is there more for his ability to read the game, positioning, and then his ability to smoothly distribute, move the ball to the right place at the right times, uh, you know, in the right timing. And in that way, he was telling me that day, I want Surreal to be that guy. And we all know, Lucci knew it too last year. He said he, he's not ready. He's not there yet. But but that's really interesting the way you asked that question because this fits more of what Lucci wants. Now, he also needs a holding midfielder that can make it uncomfortable for opposition to be in that the zone 14 that we just talked about. So Surreal has to be both those things. He's got to keep progressing in the player that he can be in terms of positional play, kind of Victor Oyola that way, always just maybe not the best speed, but being in the right place at the right time. But then he can be better, a lot better at, than Victor Oyola at distributing the ball, willing to take the ball under pressure, and then move, smooth, smoothly moving it out. But he's got to do the dirty work too. Yeah, we talked to him uh, last week, I believe, and he was saying, yeah, the thing I learned from – took away from Santos was, was getting better at that defense. And like, I think we talked about it last week as well. Like hope that, that some of that bulldogness, I love that term, like a bulldog. That's uh, that's perfect. Um, hope that some of that rubbed off as well. Well, but was, you know, I know some people have panicked over this move, but I got to ask, you know, Tiago Santos for me was, was he top five holding midfielder, major league soccer? No, not even close. Was he top 10? Yeah. Was he top 15? Probably. So, but now you're telling me top 15 player, uh, when a couple of people that approach me said, what are they doing? They're, you know, this is the, like, look, top 15, if, you, if you're top 15 in MLS, you can be replaced. I, I, I think, and, and that's not to say that Tago Santos didn't do a good job. I think he, he had very good games. I think he also got tired at times and he had some, he had some uh, poor outings. And so, it, it, again, if you're, you know, top five, if you're telling me, you know, I think Matt Hedges, top five center back in Major League Soccer, I think Ryan Holling said, Top five outside back. Those guys are hard to replace. Top top 15 in Major League Soccer, I, I think you can replace them. I think those are all really good points. Um, and you can kind of see it talking with the players and the staff, right? Uh, they do say, oh, there was an opportunity that came up. But they're um, kind of reading past of what they're telling the media, right? There's, there's not really a sense of panic from the club. They kind of know that, okay, this happened. We know how to progress with it. Um, and I think they have a really exciting opportunity. I mean, Lucci himself uh, to mold Edwin into however he likes, right? Uh, we, we know what we got with Grezzo, a really gritty defender. Um, immature at times, and we would pick up a couple of cards as, as much. It was great to see the, uh, the feistiness. Um, what did you get with Santos? You got the same thing, but at a more mature and experienced level. Uh, you did lose a little bit speed, but as Steve was saying, it's, it's someone that is a little bit replaceable, right? Edwin kind of comes in. And you, you don't necessarily know uh, exactly what he is, right? He's not going to be that quite uh, old-fashioned six. I'm just a defensive midfielder. Um, and it, the, I think the Victor Uyoa comparison was a really good one. Uh, has the ability to defend, but then also be able to distribute that ball out. And the same thing with the Sergio Busquets uh, analogy. I think that's also a really good one right there. Uh, there's a lot of upside on the Edwin side to be able to give an added sense of flexibility instead of just being kind of anchoring uh, right there in front of that defensive line. 
Speaking a little bit about the defense, Jonathan, do you have any um, do you have any expectations for for that back line? I know there's some new pieces, and yeah, I mean there's there, there's really only one new piece if you're thinking about brand new players, and that was you know Martinez coming in to uh, to to replace Ziegler who left, and and, and from my perspective, um, that's worst case like for like potentially an upgrade. Right. Um, so far, what we've seen in the preseason, you know, it's, it's early on. He seems like he's you know, going to be a good starting caliber center back pair for uh, next to hedges. So I'm not I'm not concerned there. I think if it's when we move to the outside backs that um, I think defensively, both uh, both Johnny and, and Ryan, I think will be fine. Um, and but I think that really once you look past that, there's not a lot of depth. Right. So so Emma, if he was. If he was healthy, um, you know, my expectation was, you know, Tomasi or even Brassad potentially would be the right back at the beginning of the year. We've not seen that in preseason. Tomasi's been injured. Brassad is definitely going to be, looks like the, a, a, a third string center back, backup string center back, or the, you know, a, the right center back in a three back pair. So if I look across the back line, even though there's only one change, I think that the biggest impact is going to be how, is, is the connective tissue into the rest of the offense because what we saw when Ryan was on the left-hand side and late in the year with, with Reynolds is they created a lot of chances by you know, doing overlapping runs. And we don't, we don't see, you know, that's, that's not Johnny's strong point. So he's, he's a defensive first uh, uh, outside back, nothing wrong with that. Um, but we're not going to see as much getting forward and connectivity with uh, uh, from that position. And then, but if you've got a consistent left winger, you, that's less of a worry. Well, it's, well, we'll see if we have a consistent, if there is a consistent <laughs> left winger, right? You yeah. know, I, I don't, I don't know which of these seven left wingers is going to play uh, day in day out, but uh, um, that's 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 more my concern. I think def, it's defensively sound. Uh, we have seen in the past that Ryan, when playing on the right. Um, He's he seems to be less effective, and I think part of that is because when he plays on the left, so when he's on the right, when he plays on the left, he does like to kind of use his right foot and cut in and attack the center of the of the defense. We don't see that as much when he's been on the right. I, you know, it seems like Lucci's definitely decided that's where he's going to be this year. So we'll have to to keep an eye on on how that progresses, and maybe maybe if he gets some consistency, um, then you know maybe maybe we'll see some good performances that from from. Uh, from, from Ryan this year, Steve, what are you, what are you thinking there? So look, it's no secret that Ryan isn't quite as effective on the right. Lucci seems to think that he can be just given a little bit more time there. I, I think what's going to be interesting is what Lucci sort of has hinted at. Uh, I think you're on one of these calls is that there may be some games when Ryan goes back to the left. And what I see happening is maybe games at home when they need a real attacking volume, they and maybe aren't as concerned with keeping Johnny over there where he can really lock down that side defensively. They put Ryan on the left and let him create the attacking volume on the left side. That adds, I mean, he's your left winger, you know, at, at different times, right? And then, then who's on the, who's on the right? But that's Steve? where I'm going with yeah. that. But that's what has to happen. Somebody has to appear on the right side for that to work. Right. And so, so that's only half the equation. Yeah. You can move Ryan over there. And I think that's what Lucci wants to do, but he also knows, Okay, but in order to create that volume that I want on both sides, who is it going to be over there? Is it Emma? I I, I don't know. 
you know, Eddie Majoma, uh, every time I see him, he looks like a winger playing as an outside back. He wants his instinct is to go forward. So maybe it, it, it can be him. Um, but the, yeah, that is the question. You have to have somebody to plug in on that side in order for that to really give you everything that it can. Yeah. And I think when they've, when we've seen in preseason them go to a, a, a three back set, um, that they've looked a little bit more comfortable on the wing. Uh, there's some, it causes some other issues, right? Um, it also eliminates that six, at least in the, in the, the last formation we saw, right. Where, you know, the Lucci had the ability to just play with, you know, like a, a Acosta and Ricarte or, or, you know, similar, similar pair gives a little bit of uh, flexibility, but yeah, I'm, that's my, my biggest concern really is, how one, how one off season change really, as far as a new player coming in, but then they're trying to shuffle, you know, the existing players. I think it's, it's, it's definitely creating a gap. So we talked a little bit about like, do we have that consistent winger? Um, Tristan, what do you, what are your thoughts on the, the front line and, and the, the players and your expectations for them this season? Yeah. So I y'all just talked about how there's this shuffle at the back and, but a lot of what would make a front line be able to go out and do its job is to have that shuffle at the back because they can no longer rely on this established back four that basically went unchanged for the most part, besides Reggie getting replaced by Brian from the past two seasons. And now they're going to be there. It's not that the back line's bad or anything. And I think back line's actually probably one of the more underrated uh, back fours in, in MLS. But the front line is going to be, um, they need to score more goals, is like the bottom line, especially at home. Um, too many points were dropped last season um, off of not being able to uh, take a lead and hold it, as well as, uh, especially at home, whenever um, we're in the back foot. The front line consists primarily of Frank O'Hara, obviously starting. And then we have Obreon and Vargas, which I think Vargas is going to be somebody who really adapts well to the MLS style. Right now it's preseason. It's 80 degrees in Texas, but let's see how they look in June and July and August when the on-field temps are in triple digits because it's a whole different world. And I think that you've seen some players come to FC Dallas and they can't get game time because they can't play in the summer. And they're a totally different June, August player than they are in, in March and April. So Hara needs to really show some consistency. And that's the same with the two wingers. I think Vargas looks to be physically one of the uh, best signings we've had. He, he looks like a center back playing out on the left wing. The guy looks huge. He's, and He's huge. Yeah. And that's what you want, right? Like we've seen, what was the issue with Mascara? He couldn't stay healthy. What's the issue with Paxton? He can't stay healthy. Uh, and, and I'm not saying that Vargas is a, a freak of nature and will never get hurt, but the guy looks physically fit in preseason, which is what you want from a signing that's replacing a, a long-term centerpiece like Barrios, right? And so I'm excited to see what he can bring. Obreon has a nose for goal that I think fans are going to actually really appreciate because a lot of times what did Barrios do? He would break through, fluff the shot or makes the pass that looks to bring in the strikers. Whereas Obreon might just say, look, man, if you're not keeping up with me, I'm just going to take it myself. Um, and so I kind of like that. He's a little bit more developed 
uh, on, on that wing. And so that, that's a good thing to see. I want to talk a little bit about Frank O'Hara, if you guys, if you guys will indulge me. Um, we've talked about it on this podcast a little bit where um, last season you would see Frank O'Hara really drop deep to try to get involved. And it would kind of create a little bit of a log jam in the midfield where Ricarte wasn't able to get forward as much either uh, and really wasn't able to kind of get into a playmaking position. Steve, have you seen in in this preseason and in your time watching the team, is that something that's being worked on actively? Uh, I haven't seen the team that much in preseason. We're still a little bit limited in what we can watch. Um, that just opened up last week a little bit. Um, you know, look, at, at some point, a player has to meet the team. You know, a player can't just ask, uh, you know, the team to meet. Yeah, I'm talking about Frank O'Hara. Frank O'Hara has to has to meet them somewhere in the middle. And so he, he has to look at the players around him, and he can't just say, you have to do – everybody has to do what best fits me. At some point, he has to do what best fits the team. I'm not convinced that they've gotten that sort of top-level buy-in that way from Frank O'Hara. There are times when I think he's bought in a little bit, and there are times when I think he hasn't bought in uh, totally. And, and by the way, you know, he's, he's 33 years old and his time in, in the game is growing short. And I think he, think he needs to understand that. Um, what I have seen in the preseason, what, when I watched is I think when Jesus got back into training or even when he got back into town, I think there might've been a little lift in Frank O'Hara because, uh, you know, look, he's a veteran. He understands, he knows what preseason is it's preseason you know so you you know and he knows he's older and he can't he's going he's got a hot summer ahead of him so maybe you can you know you can you can play the hokey pokey a little bit you know where you you put your left toe in you take your left toe out <laughs> and you put your two feet in they take two you know you can ease into it a little bit but then jesus ferrer shows up and now ricardo pepe is back and now he's looking at these guys and oh, that's the guy i just saw on the national team the other day you know or the, on the olympic team and I, I guess I got to get going now. And I think his last couple of matches were pretty good. So maybe that's, maybe that's the buy-in and uh, uh, we'll see because he's got to, he's got to do a little bit more than he did last year. You know, seven goals, by the way, last year, look, it's not terrible. Sometimes we're talking about Frank O'Hara, like he came in here, you know, and he, and he scored one goal. He scored seven and, you know, I think in 21 games, not, it's not awful, but for what they expect of him, it, it, it needs to be more. Yeah, now now I've got this visual in my mind. I, I expect after he scores his first goal to his celebration dance to be the hokey pokey. Yeah, you can do worse. <laughs> All right. Um, before we move on, any any other thoughts on the team moving into the regular season? I guess the only other thing is I just want to see how Lucci approaches getting time for some of the younger players. Um, Steve brought up Cirillo, which is, you know, is the only six on the team. So in some ways, I think if he's doing well in, in practice, he'll likely get some more minutes. Um, but also, you know, people like Paxson as he worked into fitness, um, Pepe and Jesus, right. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see how he balances that with, um, you know, trying to, trying to win. Right. Because it is, it's, it's, it's a long season. Right. And, um, some of those supporting casts are, are a little bit older and we know it's compressed at the end. So, I mean, I'd, I'd like to see Lucci really give some minutes to some of those younger players early on this year so that when it gets to the end of the year, uh, they have that experience in their, and, and uh, confidence, right. To play in some of those uh, matches that 
you know, I mean, in the end, yes, every match is counts for the same amount of points, but you know, it doesn't feel that way at the end of the year. Right. So, uh, I mean, that's yeah. kind of one of the big things I'd like to see. That, that raises a great point. Like with all this influx of, of talent from outside of the United States, some experienced players coming in, what does that do to play, play your kids? Uh, I guess I guess we're gonna figure play, that it's, out. <laughs> it's playing kids at least. One of the things we did see, I mean, last year, it's it's almost like they've shifted one direction to the other, right? So last year that uh they went so went went from play the kids in 2019, 2020, almost all the signings were older players. And then this year it's you know, uh, I guess Obreon. Well, I guess sorry, Martinez is what 26, but still. Yeah. I mean, overall, it seems like we, we've we've now uh, brought in a lot more younger players. Um, Shona, as well as Shona's twenty, Shona, exactly. So, so it's it's uh, it, it's it's interesting, and I don't honestly, I don't really care. I mean, yes, I'd like to see it be the academy players, um, but I would like to see some of the younger develop uh, younger players get an opportunity to develop early in the season. You know, what's interesting about these conversations, though, is we were having the same conversation at this time last year. And even Lucci addressed it. And he even said he, he sort of kind of pretexted it where he said, look, every year isn't going to be an outstanding year as far as academy development, as far as players, you know, blooming out of the academy. And we were having this conversation like, hey, I think they've, they've, they've gone a different direction now. They're not playing the kids anymore. And what happens? Um, they sell Reggie Cannon. We know there's some different circumstances going on there. They sell Brian Reynolds for, you know, uh, for a club record fee. And Tanner Testament comes out of nowhere. So, you know, I, it, it, you, turn, you look back at it and you say it was a great year as far as what the FC Dallas Academy has produced. And, you know, this year, um, it, it, Surreal could, uh, could bloom. It could be, I, I don't know, Justin Shea that uh, yeah, could, some, you know, could somehow pop up. Brandon Surveyne could come back from, from the loan spell and, and he, could be, uh, he could be a world beater. And by the way, the, the other thing that I don't think a lot of people – I haven't really talked, heard very many people talking about this as far as previewing FC Dallas. What's going to be fascinating for me, one element, how does Lucci configure a midfield? Because to, to me, there's about eight different ways he can configure a midfield. When you talk about uh, Brian Acosta possibly playing a six, which I think we're going to see some of, Surreal, Tessman, uh, Ricarte, of course, uh, Ferreira is going to drop in the midfield. Paxton, when he came on for 30 minutes, in the uh, in the preseason game, they won five zero over San Antonio. He played as an eight. Um, uh, Nicky Hernandez started that game as an eight. There's literally about eight different ways uh, Lucci Gonzalez can configure a midfield. You know, be at a box, uh, one holding, two holding, uh, uh, inverted wingers, whatever. There's about eight different ways he can configure it that I think works, and I think that's fascinating. Absolutely. I'm going to put you on the spot, Steve, and I'm going to ask you for a prediction. Who do you think the Who do you think the midfield is on starting day? That's a great question. Um, if Surreal has a good week of training, uh, he could be the six. If not, uh, it's good. It, it could be Brian Acosta sitting next to Ricarte, and then it's. Uh, I don't know how Tess. I haven't, I haven't checked in on how Tessman just looks since he got into training just uh, uh, what just uh, seven days ago. Um, if I had to guess right now, Acosta, Ricarte, and Ferreira. How about that? Uh, that Interesting. That's surprising. Yes. Yeah. I, I would agree with the Acosta and uh, Ricarte. I, w- I would have thought Tessman, but yeah. It could be. Jesus uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. H- 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 would be an interesting choice. Yeah. At that, at that 10. So. 
Obviously, Tuss is coming off a good preseason, so but, but so is Tessman. Yep, got to get if they're in form, you got to get them on the field somehow. Uh, I think just to tie a little bit of a bow on the like play your kids conversation, um, I was just thinking as you guys were talking, sometimes the way to develop your young talent is not to hand them a starting spot. It's to make them fight for that spot um, tooth and nail and, and really understand the grind and understand the, the, the things that they're going to be dealing with as professionals throughout their career. So. I I think it's a great point. And I think that's why I think that's why Tessman didn't always play last year. Even when I think he had the ability to, I think Lucci was trying to put that a little bit of that bug into him. Now the question is, why didn't he do that with Ferrer? Maybe that was just a confidence thing. He he felt like with Ferrer, I it's not it's not the bug that he needs. It's the confidence that he needs, and I need to play him. So that's the only thing I could figure out there. I think the one thing that I'm gonna really enjoy watching this year is just the competition amongst players, just to get those starting spots and to even get time on the field. I think that's going to be a a really good thing for the club in the long term this season. For sure. It's weird. Nobody has mentioned Paxton. And that's, to me, the biggest horse in the room when it comes to somebody. We talk about all these midfields we can build, but I think that um, we've seen how he can link what we think is kind of it works and does what it's supposed to do, but ask it to work with another segment of the team. And it's not a hundred percent. He kind of links those things. And so if he can get healthy, like, yeah. and, and stay healthy, then I think this team's like, we're, we have a totally different conversation on our hands because he is a total wild card for, for defense in MLS. Hey, yes. I think we're all, Unfortunately, we're all starting to think of the, uh, you know, fooled you once, yeah, shame on you, fooled you twice, shame on me. With Paxton, I think we just, I mean, it's going to be a work in progress. If 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 he's playing ninety minutes at the end of the season, that might actually be a successful season. So, um, I mean, I'll uh, at least at least I'd be happy to see that progression. So I think people are starting to realize that maybe uh, his recovery wasn't what we were hoping for and what he was talking about in the off season. Um, so yeah, here we, here we, uh, here we go. All right. Let's uh, let's take a quick, uh, quick break. And when we return, we're going to do a quick fire round table. We're going to do some predictions, put everybody on the hot seat. Uh, and then we're going to preview through the Colorado match just a little bit. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back. We are going to uh, kick off the, the roundtable right now, uh, the quick fire roundtable. Uh, doing a little, little prediction action, uh, quick one word answers. And so we'll just go around the table in, in alphabetical order, and uh, I'll read off the question and then we'll go, around, go from there. So, uh, first up, the Western Conference table finish position so where will the the fc dallas finish in the western conference table uh i I will go first and i will say uh fifth jonathan sixth nico four oh steve yes tristan i'm gonna go with seventh the ekin okay see See who the 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 optimists and pessimists are in the group. <laughs> right. One question. 
All right. Uh, so playoffs, uh, do they reach the playoffs? I think everybody here said yes. So then um, how far in the playoffs do they go? Do they make it past the the second round this time? Um, I say mm, no. I think they go out in the second round again. Jonathan? Uh, they're going to make it, even though I said six, they're going to make it to the Western Conference Finals. Because Paxton is finally. Oh, way, sorry. Man. Sorry, man. I forgot it was one word answers. <laughs> West. That was fine. Optimistic, you can do like a whole sentence. Oh, okay. If it's you get a run on sentence. All right. <laughs> yeah, if you're an optimist. Uh, Nico. <laughs> mm, I'm going to go second round. Steve? Oh, hate to, hate to copy, but yeah, second round. Tristan. I'm going to go with Jonathan and I think they make it further. I think that this is a team that starts slow and finishes strong. They have their setup that way. Western conference finals as a dropping family. to dropping to Seattle. Uh, it probably. Yes. That <laughs> that's just, the way that go, just right? feels right. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's probably not a, a too far fetched of a prediction. Um, okay. So, Top scorer for FC Dallas, number of goal and the number of goals that they score. I'm going to go with um, Obreon with eight goals. Ricardo Pepe, that's right, with eight <laughs> goals as well. Nico. Freddie Vargas, 11 goals. Ooh, Steve. Ara with nine because he's going to take the penalty kicks. Uh, okay. Well, well, we did not specify penalty kicks in there. You didn't. Hey, yeah, no. that's that's true. That's okay. All but right. it's worth pointing out the penalty taker doesn't always get the top score trophy. So, um, I'm gonna say that uh, that Hara with eight. I think it's another season where the the wealth is shared amongst the the forwards. That is the FC Dallas way, isn't it? I believe so. It, it is pretty sad that four out of five of us chose less than 10 goals for the, for the leading scorer. <laughs> yes. It's worth pointing out. I'll take a quick aside. I did this last episode. We don't, we don't have double digit scores at FC Dallas, at least not in the league. It, it's not something that happens each year. It's kind of rare to have that, which is part of the reason why it's such an issue. <laughs> but yeah, no, I don't think that's a risk by any of us to say that. And this is my favorite, the last one. Oh, go ahead, Steve. What was am I incorrect here? Wasn't Kenny Cooper the last time they had a double digit score? Uh Barrios was one year. Didn't Barrios had more than 10 one one year he did. No. Okay. Or it was um, I don't think so. No, no, that's a sit. He had it was a Rudy. Maxi and Rudy had okay. it one Rudy, year. Yeah, yeah. Rudy got a double that's who digits. it was. Yeah. yeah. The year after the open cup. And so okay. but yeah, it, it's been a while. He must have only had 11 then. Yeah, it was like barely over. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And this last one is an over-under, which Nico and I do over-unders in the press box all the time. Um, This one is for the number of minutes that Paxton plays. Uh, So it would be the over-under that has been set by Tristan, our our number cruncher, is 1,020 minutes, which is – 60 minutes in the last in half of the matches. Um, I'm gonna go under Jonathan over. Nico? Wait, play, playoffs count, right? 
Yes. Well, sure. no, 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 no. This is regular season. <laughs> regular season? I'll, I'll, I'll stick with over. That's fine. I'm going to have to go with under on this one. Deep? Over. He better. Right. He's, he's the most dy- dynamic player on the on the field. Uh, he, he's He's got to play over. Yeah, and with that contract that he's got, um, he's going to need to start pulling that weight. Uh, he's getting paid no matter what. Um, That's a good point. Uh, I'm going to go with the over as well. I think that the soccer moms of the greater Flower Mound area will rejoice when Paxton takes the field. Sands mustache or with mustache? No, without. He's got to. He's got to be focused. He's got to project that focused mindset. Last year was a lost year for him. You know. Gotcha. All right. Well, that was fun. <laughs> um, let's transition into talking about Saturday's match, uh, April 17th at home, the home opener against Colorado. Um, we've got soccer is finally here. It's here. Finally uh, here. The, the, the Rapids are coming to town last season. FC Dallas played them one time and won. Uh, four to one, despite finishing behind them by one place in the final standings. Uh, both of the teams were playoff teams. Um, and I, I was doing a little bit of uh, pre-show reading. I was reading American Soccer and Analysis has their preview, and the soccer rabbi Mark Mark uh, Goodman, Mark Asher Goodman, was uh, doing the preview there. And the, one of the interesting things about Colorado is that the only player that they brought in from last season besides some homegrowns homegrowns was Barrios. Uh so they're really banking on on uh Sam Vines and Cole Bassett to to develop and as well as Kellen Acosta to really kind of continue that upward swing and momentum that he's got. So like Steve when we when we're looking at this match what what are some things you're looking at as you prep for the broadcast? Uh, how many good players Colorado has. And I've, you know, they were a funny team last year. You remember during the MLS back tournament, they were the kind of the, uh, the sleeper team that everybody said, Hey, keep your eye on Colorado. Um, and then they really just kind of, you know, S the bed uh, in, in that tournament. Uh, and then they had a COVID issue. Then they actually finished the season pretty strong. So, and, and, and the reason I think they finished the season strong, they've got talent. I mean, you know, talk about, um, a team that's got young players that's uh, starting to look like, you know, a FC Dallas starter kit in terms of producing young players, Sam Vines, Cole Bassett. Um, you know, but it, I, I look at Eunice Nobley as a, one of the best dribblers in Major League Soccer. Jonathan Lewis has his upside. Uh, uh, we haven't even talked about uh, Nicholas Benazay because he didn't get to play last year. Diego Rubio, I think, is a good player. Um, I think Jack Price hits the best. Set pieces, probably in Major League Soccer. We don't, you know, we don't talk enough about uh, about that. Uh, they've got. Um, I, I think they one thing that Kai Kamara. Happen, Kai Kamara. Uh, well, I, I think he's sort of. Yeah, I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not a big Kai fan. Uh, Kellen Acosta, <laughs> by the way, I think this team might go as Kellen Acosta goes, and he, of course, him reappearing in the national team scene. I think that's going to do a lot for his confidence, getting his career back on the track it was before. Because I, I think Kellen Acosta can. I think he's a good player for them. I think he needs to be a great player for them. I think he needs to find – he's got to take this team and say, this is my team. I looked at his numbers today, and 22% of his passes go forward. For a midfielder who should be who, – who's a national team midfielder, that's a low number. 
you know, it, it, that's got to be, you know, 30, 40 percent. And, and that's what I mean. He's got to take this team and say, I'm getting the ball and I'm going to move it forward because and he can do it. He Kellen Costa, good with both feet, good with short passes, intermediate passes, long passes. He can be that kind of player, but he's got to have the confidence to do it. So I, I think they're good players all over the field. And look, I, I think Dallas is in for a scrap uh, on Saturday night. Yeah, I think uh, our friend, uh, friend of the show, former former co-host co-host of the Dallas Soccer Show, Armand Kafai, he he always describes Colorado Colorado as an an interesting team. Uh, th- what what you get may may be good or bad, but it's going to always be interesting. And uh, you know, with Barrios coming back to, to FC Dallas, you I think Jonathan, you talked was it. One of y'all was was talking about how we yeah, I, I already I already made my prediction based on when Maxi Rudy came here last year and <laughs> scored two goals basically just off garbage that that's what uh, Barrios was going to come and do. Um, but yeah, I mean, no, Colorado's a tough team. I, I have I haven't had a chance to watch them in preseason at all to see what their form looks like. Um, so if they if they look anything like FC Dallas, we'll see because FC Dallas I think is a bit rough right now too. But my guess is that's most of MLS. Um, so, you know, this first match I would expect FC Dallas being the home team that they 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 should be the the team to dominate and get three points. But at, you know, Colorado's a, a tough team, and I think honestly at the end of the year I wouldn't be surprised if they're above FC Dallas in the standings. Yeah, I think the Barrios shout is interesting because, you know, another speedy winger that just left FC Dallas was uh, Fafa Pico, and they handled him just fine on on Saturday. So do you think, I mean, maybe maybe they'll get Barrios under control? Maybe, but I, I just FYI, I think the reason they actually traded Fafa Pico was they realized they were going to bring in somebody else who had the nickname of Pico. And they, they were just worried about the confusion. Who, who's that? Uh, uh, is, it, is, it, is it Vargas? That I think is his uh, Pico is his uh, nickname. Oh, this is news to me. Yes. Now you, you heard it here. <laughs> Breaking news. Da-da-da-da-da-da. That's right. Yeah, I, I, think, I think in this match, for me, uh, the FC Dallas's fates kind of hinge upon the midfield in front of, in front of that back line um, with the new back line or the new center back. Um, like what, how much are, is that back line going to get, get exposed? Um, and if they get exposed often, I mean, we saw against Austin where there were some mental lapses and um, you know, they got themselves into some sticky situations. And if they can keep that concentration and keep, you know, that center, those center backs covered in front of them, um, I think they'll have no problem. Nico, you got thoughts? Oh, wait, Steve. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, just planning on what you just said. Let me introduce this to you, though. How many new players is Colorado trying to introduce into their into their system? Michael Barrios, but I think he, I think he's going to maybe come off the bench. I think that's their plan for him. That's it. How many new players is FC Dallas trying to introduce into their system? Exactly. Start, yeah, start on my counting. fingers. <laughs> and now, and now you tell me who you think has the edge coming into this game. Good point, Steve. Yeah. Oh, no, I don't like that. That's that's kind of – you're bumming me out, Steve. 
sorry to be the bummer, but that's 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 the deal. I, I, Colorado knows what they are. Robin Frazier knows what he has. Luchi Gonzalez is still trying to figure out what he has in some of these guys. I'm just saying, it's uh, I, I, it's like I said, I think they're in for a scrap Saturday night. Not saying they're not saying they can't come up with a W. They can, but it's going to be tough. Who invited this stick in the mud? Uh, <laughs> uh, Nico, Tristan, any thoughts? Um, oh, go ahead, Tristan. No, no, go ahead, Nico. I was just gonna say, I mean, it's kind of the first game. Um, it's been a little difficult to kind of keep tabs on all the teams in general. What I'm a little bit more interested uh, overall is actually how all these teams will do in their first three games um, in terms for U.S. Open Cup qualification. That's something I'm a little bit more interested to see. So. For FC Dallas fans, uh, they don't have to worry right now because FC Dallas currently sits in seventh based on the alphabet, which is good. <laughs> but um, but uh, the, the great decider. There you go. But um, I, 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 I don't know. It's just the high, the high turnover, the high flux in players, right? And then just trying to quickly get it all meshed together. I think if there's anything you can take away that we've seen in preseason is that there's some good individual performances and Typically, with the first few games in the season, you're going to see that. There's going to be some good individual performances as the overall system is trying to mesh together. Um, so I'm just kind of interested to see how. I, I know there's going to be a lot of excitement about, oh, this is the first starting 11, but I'm interested to see how things kind of slowly progress, especially within those first three games. And, and if if I'm, all the teams are going to say, yeah, we want to qualify for the U.S. Open Cup, but I wonder how much pressure that is going to play on some of the teams and with the U S open cup being kind of a special thing for FC Dallas in general, due to the uh, late Lamar hunt, I'm, I'm interested to see how they perform over that. And before I hand it over to Tristan, um, that the, the 10, 10 plus goal scorer thing, I kind of went back and looked. So the most recent was in 2017 with Uruti. He had 12 goals followed by Bloss with 11 in 2014 Bloss again with 11 in 2013 Dane Shea with 11 in 2011 and Jeff Cunningham 11 in 2010. So in the 2010 decade, FC Dallas was 50% on 10 plus goals. Interesting stat. It's not, not too bad. Yeah. I, I would, uh, I would have guessed uh Bloss if you had just asked me who it was, I'd forgotten about the, the Rudy one. Yep. Uh, I mean, this this weekend it'll be one thing that you can I think expect the players' attitude. One of the big things for me in looking at this is um, what what the team how they ended last season, what's motivating them coming into this season. Um, FC Dallas had a kind of a rough off season with just a lot of turnover in certain players, but at, on the same side, I think you're going to see Lucci coach more relaxed because he's not there's not some big uh, this person's going to Europe type of player right now being occupied by anybody mid season transfer potential. I don't think is something they have to worry about. They have the winger coming in from Eastern Europe in the middle of the season after his season's over. But other than that, like the roster's set for once finally set, which probably means I say that something will change, but the roster looks set and Lucci kind of knows what he has versus relying on, mid-season, waiting for Mexico's season to end or waiting for some transfer to go through for another team. So he's he's at least been able to have his major signings go through a full preseason, which is a little bit different than in years past. So, yeah, there's been some shift, but that shift has been 
that shift was in February, January, and they've had four and a half with all the extra games. I lose track because they play an extra 45 minutes at the end of these friendlies. So who knows how much time they've actually played, but I think that's something we're, we're maybe overlooking a little bit, but yeah, Colorado's unchanged that they, they know what they're doing. That's for sure. All right. We shall see. Uh, I guess Saturday is a 7 PM kick, right? So uh, soccer's back. I'm, I'm excited. Same. Can't wait. All right. Uh, Steve is at Steve Davis 90 on Twitter. Uh, Steve, before we go, do you have anything to plug or any place you want to send folks to? Nope. Just uh, get out to the stadium. If you can mask up, get out to the stadium. Uh, I know they're doing everything they can to make sure everybody's as safe as they can be. But if you can't be at the stadium, listen to me and Mark. Absolutely. All right. Uh, we are Dal- at Dallas Soccer Show on Twitter. You can find us online at dallassoccershow.com or now uh, as now at thestrikertexas.com. Uh, for Tristan Vick, Jonathan Roz, Nico Mendez, I'm Dustin Nation. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.